0: Welcome to the Mean Lady Talking Podcast, the tough-talking, advice-giving show by the not-really-mean, mean lady, Susan J. Elliott. Good day, everybody. This is Susan Elliott, host of the Mean Lady Talking Podcast, and welcome to 89 I wanted to address a few short subjects that people have asked me about and and I'll be getting to a few meanie emails in the next in the next few podcasts and you can say something as simple as you know I want to hear about something something you know whatever it is for those of you who might remember, I got the hacker email where the guy's like, you know, I I took control of your computer and I saw you visited all these porn sites and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to send this to all your, all your contacts. I mean, I got a bunch of those from all these different people. It was funny how the prices were all different. I was like, some people just, I'm like, is this like, you know, going to the highest bid or the lowest bid? I mean, what is this? It's so crazy. And some of them, some of them are just so funny. One of them said, I will tell the world about your enjoys. And I was like, my enjoys. <laughs> and he was like, you are very perverted. And I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> so I don't know what you think my enjoys are, but that's not it. <laughs> so I was thinking it was so funny, like for a week after I got that email, I would just start thinking about it and I'd just start laughing. I watched a show called Mysteries of the Abandoned, which is really funny which is really a good show. There are some commentators on there I really like. And some of them are things that I either didn't know about or I didn't know much about. And when I first got into recovery and I talked about this, I was always politically active, like from the age of 12. And then when I, and I talk about this in the annual giving to the world community post that I do every January, and then I'm getting ready to post again. When I first started this recovery, I had to not be active. I had to not watch, I didn't watch television for like three years. There was certain, there were runs of certain TV shows that I never saw because I missed them the first time. Things that people were talking about because all I did was this and my self care, which didn't consider vegging out in front of the TV, which my, ex-husband always had the TV on. And he came from a family where everybody had a TV in their room, everybody fell asleep to the TV. It just, and I, there was one thing I got in my marriage was there would be no TV in the bedroom. But there were whole things that happened when I was in a troubled marriage. And then again, when I started my recovery, there were big world events. And, and I really barely knew about it. And I was looking at some of these things and I was like, Oh, the Challenger space shuttle blew up with Krista McAuliffe aboard and that happened when I was in a troubled miserable marriage and I don't think I I don't think I really felt anything about that. I was so Involved in my own stuff and tr- trying to figure out how to get out, and I didn't know. And Chernobyl blew up. And when I was watching Mysteries of the Abandoned, I was like, Where was I when this was happening? Like, I don't remember it at all. Like, I remember hearing about it sort of third hand, but I don't remember. And there's the original newscast on YouTube, where we knew something was going on inside the Soviet Union, but most of us didn't know what it was. And it was only because people in Scandinavia were reporting high levels of radiation that the Soviets said anything about it. And it's this horrible thing. And then I found out that they did a a movie about it on HBO. And I guess it rekindled a lot of people's interest in it. But even that, I, you know, that was recent in the last few years, but I couldn't think about why I would want to watch it. So when I was looking at Mysteries of the Abandoned, there's a, there's a bunch of different things that they do. One is World War II, which is fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And it always sets me to thinking, which is why sometimes I just need veg out TV and Mysteries of the Band is not it. But there were also things on Chernobyl and things like that and things from the Soviets. As I'm watching this show, many times I'm thinking, where the hell was I when this stuff was going on? I mean, I wasn't born yet in World War II, but other things that happened, like like, the space show blew up, Chernobyl blew up, and, like, where was I? Like, I don't even remember any of this stuff. Like, I barely remember it. So I talk about how the first few years of recovery, I only dealt with my stuff. So anyway, to get back to my enjoys, so I was thinking, you know, I really don't think that my mailing list is going to be too tintillated by the fact that I watched Mysteries of the Abandoned. So, like, I do all these, like, little jokes in my head, but I had said at the time that I wanted to do a sex show. And I asked people to send me email. And unfortunately, some of you didn't. I'm only kidding about that. If you still have questions, let me know. I'm still working on it. But like my head is spinning because somebody wrote me. I was I was trying to say something about the length of your email. It doesn't have to be long. You don't have to introduce yourself to me. You don't have to say, hi, how you doing? Hope you're having a good day. Nothing. This person sent this thing to me and said, am I the only person who thinks a?" Oh, the, the subject was for the sex show. I mean, okay. And I'm always afraid to open those, but I, I put my big girl panties on and I read the email and it said, am I the only person who thinks ASMR is weird? And I sat back and went, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, oh, my God, do I have to look at this? Do I have to look into this? Please, God, no, help me. <sighs> but no, it's like after I after I looked into it, no, you're not the only person who thinks it's weird. At least I am in that company. Like, I was just like, like I don't even want to talk about my reaction to it. But it was like, yeah, I, I, I thought it was very, very weird. Sorry, people who like it, people who do it. And there's a lot of... uh There's a lot of people on YouTube that I follow and they'll say, check out my ASMR channel. And I I never really, I never really paid attention to that before because I didn't know what it was and didn't have any interest in it. And now I'm like, no, I'm not going to be checking that out. Like I have respect for you and I'm not going there because that respect will just go right down the toilet. So Anyway, so that was that person's email, like that one line, and, and then sent me off on a wild goose chase, you know, like, and not a wild goose chase. Now I know what it is, unfortunately. I'm not sure I slept the first night I found out. I was like, oh my God. Um, but if you have any thoughts, thoughts, feelings about it, send me an email, let me know. But I'm saying, like, you don't, like, person didn't tell me who they were. They weren't a meanie. I didn't know that it was one sentence. So those are fine. Somebody wrote me another sentence and said, you mentioned resistance a couple of times, please. Can you tell me what that is? Resistance is something that happens. Now I talk in the affirmations about how your subconscious sends you messages, get back where you belong. And resistance is the carrying out of get back where you belong, but you're not aware of that's what you're doing. I've had boot camps with people and they're coming off a breakup and they're sad and they're upset and they're this and they're that. And they know my policies on no contact and dating before you're ready and blah, blah, blah. And then they start dating. All of a sudden, everything I say is suspect. Like the fact that they want to argue points all of a sudden with me, isn't about they're wrong, it's about I'm wrong. (laughs) That's a form of resistance. There's so many things. If you have a therapist, you start canceling appointments or you start arguing, you start suddenly, you suddenly start knowing better. Another sign of resistance is when you start lying basically and it's not it's not something that people want to cop to like they don't want to they don't want to say that they're lying but they're making excuses or oh, I can't go to a meeting tonight because I'm not feeling well but they're really not feeling that badly or I can't go see my therapist this week because I have a headache and you know that he might have a headache but it's not that bad they just start finding reasons to not do the things they're supposed to do and I've talked about it, it happened to me around two years, all of a sudden, and it wasn't that I thought my therapist is stupid, it wasn't that I thought that my 12-step sponsors were stupid, my mentors were stupid, the people that were supporting me and taking me on, it's not that they were stupid, but I spent an entire weekend thinking, oh, it wasn't my birth family, it wasn't my adoptive family, it's not that I'm an ACOA, it's not that I'm an abuse survivor, it's not that I've had PTSD is that I'm just crazy. So you see, I put the onus back on me because I wasn't ready at the time to say, you know, there's something wrong with my therapist or she doesn't know what she's talking about. Like all of a sudden the woman that saved my life doesn't know what she's talking about. Your subconscious, your get back where you belong will be 10 steps ahead of you. So if I started having thoughts like that, my therapist doesn't know what she's doing, no, that would not have happened. I would have been like, yeah, that something's going on in my head that's not proper. So I tell people resistance to the work, depending on where you are in the work. I mean, it could happen early on, it could happen a few years out, it could happen I know that in I've been in twelve step programs and I've been in enough AA meetings to know that people say. The third year of sobriety is when you know more than everyone else, and you act like you know more than everybody else. And again, it's like some people will suddenly they they'll say they'll call it firing their sponsor. I always thought your sponsor doesn't work for you. Like anybody who uses the term firing my sponsor, I'm like your sponsor doesn't work for you. No, that's ridiculous. But it gives them a sense of power that they really don't have. They're like, oh yeah, I fired my sponsor. Why? I don't know. They they just they just weren't doing it for me anymore. Your sponsor who knows everything about everything wasn't doing it for you anymore. Like the person pulled you out of the gutter. No, your subconscious will figure out how much you need and how much it needs to be creative. Like if my subconscious decided to tell me that my therapist didn't know what she was talking about anymore, I would have rejected that out of hand. So it wouldn't have worked. But have me think maybe there's really not all this stuff wrong with me. Maybe I'm just. Co- completely crazy like that grabbed hold and and those seeds grabbed hold and sprouted in my head and I went to a meeting that night I was going to tell my sponsor and I was going to have to give in like all of my 12-step literature and blah 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 so I was resigning from 12-step like this is what I was doing and it was this whole big thing I mean it went on in my head it was so real to me this is how I know that resistance can be very scary because It's because it very often takes a form that. Is smarter than your conscious at this point. And I knew that if I had done an attack like on my sponsor, on my therapist, like that just wouldn't have worked because I knew these people knew too much. So it had to be me. I had to be the one with the problem. And I said to my sponsor, you know, like I, I was going to go to the meeting tonight, but, and I did this in person because you had to resign from 12 step in person, you know, <laughs> I was just like, and this whole thing built up in my head. It was so crazy. And my sponsor was sitting there and I walked up and I said, I'm going to have to just kind of leave. I don't think that there's... Anything wrong with me except the fact that I'm just completely crazy. Like that's what it is. And he just looked at me and he said, nuts shouldn't be out there either. Sit down and shut up. And that was the end of it. That was the end of it. Sit down and shut up was almost always how it ended. But I had to get honest with the fact that I had been on a runaway train for a while. I was dating people I shouldn't have been dating. I was doing things I shouldn't have been doing. I wasn't checking in with my People, My support people, I was doing all the things they say not to do. And then my resistance flew in and said, you don't need any of this stuff. You're just crazy. And there's nothing anybody can do about you or for you. And I went, oh my God, like, that's right. Like, I believe that. And as crazy as it sounds now, I'm trying to let you know that resistance takes many forms. When you see something, when you're suddenly questioning something that you had once found solace in, that might be a sign that resistance is at work. And it's really important to understand that resistance is part of the process. And it could come... In In the first few weeks, it could come in the first few months, in the first few years. Typically, I'd say it's around the two, three-year mark when you're suddenly pushing back on things or disappearing, going solo, as I call it, flying solo, and nobody really knows what's going on with you. Like I was told, my mind is a bad neighborhood. I should not go there alone. And that was absolutely spot on absolutely spot on. Whenever I had these crazy thoughts, I had to have somebody there to kind of talk me off the ledge. And my sponsor did it that night. Nuts shouldn't be out there either. You should be in here. Sit down and shut up. My sponsor did exactly the right thing. Never said to me, no, you're not nuts just said, okay, fine, you're nuts, but sit down anyway. It's very important to understand that resistance can take many forms. You get away from your affirmations, you get away from your journaling, you get away from the people that have supported you. You start making excuses and sometimes it's valid. You know, I was like, I work all week, I have three kids, I'm going to all these meetings, like I can't be going to all these places when I've got three kids to raise. I mean, it all made sense in my head, but that's, that was the only place it made sense because my kids needed the healthiest mother they could get. And if I didn't keep going with this, they weren't going to get that. You know, sometimes people take a new job and they get so engrossed in it, so involved in it. And, and they start stepping away from the things that made them well enough to go find that job. And then the next thing you know, they're feeling alone and they're blaming everybody but themselves. So it's important to keep doing what you're supposed to be doing and to stay on top of things. Because if you don't stay on top of things, you're not going to know what's going on. And even when you have thoughts that might be resistance, it's a good thing to Think about them, talk about them, let other people know where you're at. If you're going a week or two weeks and nobody knows where you are or what you're doing, that's a problem. You need to let people know what's going on. What was the last time you did your journaling? What was the last time you did your affirmations? And you have to start thinking about why am I suddenly being rebellious against the things that I know work? So anyway, that's my spiel on resistance. And I've seen it a lot. I've seen people in my practice start dating and all of a sudden I don't know what I'm talking about. And so what do you mean I don't know what I'm talking about? Like you're the one who's dating and suddenly like you're all gaga about this person and I don't know what I'm talking about. No, no, I know what I'm talking about. And then I don't argue with them. I'm like, okay. You know, I do, I'm like, let me know when you want another appointment. When I talk about boundaries and I talk about no contact and I talk about how you can't babysit someone's brain, that includes somebody that you're working with or that you're helping out, might be sponsoring or mentoring or somebody that you're trying to guide to the materials to break up or something and they're just giving you a hard time, you just have to say, okay, you know, let me know when you want to talk about it and leave it at that. Can't chase people who are resisting because it's only going to make their resistance worse. And most of the time I tell people, you know, yeah, let me know when you want to talk about that. Everybody knows my take on everything. So if you're one of my clients, you're one of my boot campers, and you are resisting, then you already know what I'm going to say about it. And you're going to avoid me like the plague. And I know, that's what, I know that's what people do. I absolutely know that that's what people do. And I think it's really important that you keep journaling. If you start slacking off on your journaling, you start slacking off on your affirmations you cop to it right away and say, what's going on with me? What in the world is going on with me? And if you're pushing away the things that got you healthy or healthier, there's a problem and you need to go inside and look at it and see what that's all about. Okay, so another question that people had was about boundaries and fear of conflict. Now, this is, I'm only gonna take up a little bit of this podcast, but I'm gonna talk about it more in the next podcast, but go to the workbook. And in the workbook, I always say, figure out the conversation, like, do you lose the words? Like, at what point do the boundaries go south? Sometimes it's, I'm going to say this, they're going to say that. I'm going to say this, they're going to say that, and then I'm stuck. Okay, so if it's the words you're looking for, that's one thing. If it's going in to setting the boundary, I'm afraid of conflict. I'm going to talk about that more in the next podcast, but. I'm afraid of conflict. Why are you afraid of conflict? What's the worst that could happen? And think about it and journal about it and talk about it. And I've talked about this on several podcasts now. The aftermath, I feel mean. Okay, you can only feel mean if you worry about what the other person is feeling in response to your boundary. And like I've said, and I took this from Melody Beatty, you cannot set a boundary and take care of someone else's feelings at the same time. You just can't. You have to disengage from that feeling of feeling mean to someone. Because you feeling mean means that you weren't taking care of their feelings, and it's not your place to take care of their feelings. And if the choice is your boundaries or their feelings, it has to be your boundaries. And many times, and I talk about this in the what does a healthy relationship look like materials in the book and in the workbook, who owns this? Are you setting a boundary with someone because they got themselves into a jam, before? because their life is upside down? Down because of what they did. I mean, sometimes you have to tough love people and say, I mean, not say to them, but say to yourself, this isn't my problem. I don't need to get involved in that. Because what people do is they do these mental calisthenics where they figure out what the other person's going to say. And then they're at a loss. But many times it comes down to who owns this problem. And I've told the story about my ex calling me and yelling at me that I hadn't taken the kids to see his grandmother. Good little codependent. i like, Dressed them, threw them in the car, went over to a house. And the woman was in medical distress, in medical distress. And we went to the emergency room, and I was there with three kids. They were, like, antsy. I mean, I didn't brought toys with them. I'd only expected to go over for a visit or so. And then we wind up in the hospital all night. You know, one's running down the hallway. The other one's running the other way. And, you know, it's like I have to keep care of three kids and a woman who's in, a 75-year-old woman who's in, like, a terrible medical condition. And then I finally get her home around midnight, and he's not there, and he was supposed to be living with her, and he's not home at midnight, yeah. Yeah, we know that he was at the girlfriend's house. So when I went to therapy, my therapist said to me, why did you do anything about that? And I said, oh, well, you know, he's right, his grandmother came up, and blah And she said, that has nothing to do with anything. I said, well, yeah, it does. Because he had said to me on the phone, she moved up from New York to take care of these kids and she hasn't seen them since you moved out. And I only moved out because he was such an asshole to me coming in all hours of the day and night. And I had to leave, like I had to leave my own house because he wouldn't stay out. And I didn't know all the things I know now about keeping someone out. So she said, they're his kids and his grandmother, let him take them. And the thought never crossed my mind, never crossed my mind my mind. But she said to me, think about who owns this problem. This is something they teach in Al-Anon as well. Al-Anon and Codependence Anonymous, who owns this problem? Because if you go back to my grandmother moved up here and the kids, she also moved up here for you, idiot. Like they're your kids, your grandmother, and you were cheating on me. That's why the marriage broke up. So, you know, you take them. And the next time he called and he started his spiel, that's exactly what I said to him. I said, they're your kids and your grandmother, you take them. And I hung up the phone. That was it. I wasn't discussing it anymore. He never said it to me again. And I started to learn that boundaries work. When you put the pieces in place, now, a good person like I was, yes, I was codependent, but I'm also a good person who's grateful for what people have done for me. You know, I'm a good person. So when he said, you know, she moved up from New York, take care of the kids, and she she left her life in Brooklyn, and ba, 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 I was like, oh, my God, yes. Uh, but all that was beside the point. It was like, I couldn't let that rope me in because they moved up, she moved up for him as much as anyone else, so let him take them. But this is what boundary crashes do. Yelling at you or they're saying things to you that you don't get a chance to stop and think, like, whose problem is this? It's always... When people say, oh, well, your honor, she bailed me out of jail. I didn't ask her to. No, but you took it and you left. You could have stayed in. You could have said, nope, I don't want her bailing me out. And courts typically make people pay back the people that bailed them out because who owns this problem? It was your crime or your violation or your whatever that got you locked up. Now you need to pay the piper. And the piper is the person who bailed you out. And I don't want to hear about it and ask, I didn't, but you know, it's like, who owns this problem? It's your problem. You have to take care of your side of the fence, not worry about their side of the fence. And when you've been used to doing that, worrying about their side of the fence or being dragged through it because of their side of the fence, it's a tough thing to do. It's a tough thing to stop doing, but that's what you have to do. Who owns this problem? If it's not you, then you're not You shouldn't be doing something about it. And what about feeling mean afterwards? Just keep saying to yourself, it's my boundary or their feelings, my boundary or their feelings. You have to worry about you. And remember, write this down, staple it on your forehead. You cannot set a boundary and take care of someone else's feelings at the same time. And don't explain. Don't conjole. I talk about this in the boundary sections of the books and in the workbook. Once you start explaining and justifying your boundary, you're cooked. You're cooked. It's all she wrote. It's all over. Don't do it. Don't say, well, this is the reason why I need this. No, I gave you this money. It was a loan. Pay me back. Not anything else. Not anything else other than that. Don't get pulled down the rabbit hole with boundary crashes because that's what they'll do. They'll twist your head into pretzels. And that's why you need to just repeat yourself. Three-time rule. On the third time you go, you say, look, I've discussed this. I've explained it. I'm not explaining it again. Goodbye. And this, and repeat your boundary on the way out. And this is the way it is. Let me know. Goodbye. And that's what you need to do. So think about like where the problem comes in. Does the problem come in because you're afraid of conflict? If you are afraid of conflict, why? What does conflict mean to you? Is it just easier to deal with it yourself? If you are that type of person, other people, especially boundary crashes, are depending on that. They're depending on you being a patsy because you don't like conflict. And they know where the soft spots are and they're gonna go for it. You have to not let them. You have to be okay with not going for it. With boundary conversations, it has to be very clear, very simple, very cut and dry. You don't worry about their feelings, you only worry about the boundary. You worry about whose problem is this, you set the boundary, you say it twice. The third time you're out of there and then you have to enforce the consequences. You have to figure out what the consequences are going to be. And boundaries are some of the hardest things that anybody's ever had to learn. But it's one of the things that really sold me on continuing therapy with my therapist and continuing this as a way of life because I truly, truly, truly needed boundaries. I really did. I mean, I, I didn't know whether to should or go blind to at the time. I was just being pulled and pulled and pulled and being accused of doing nothing. I don't understand how I could be absolutely exhausted from running around trying to please everybody And yet be told I didn't do anything. Like, I didn't know how that was possible, but that was my life before I got into this. And you don't have to be there. You don't have to do that. You can do this. Set those boundaries today. Don't let resistance take hold. Take care, everybody. This is Susan Elliott, host of Me Lady Talking Podcast. Talk to y'all soon. Bye-bye.